Hello, everyone, and welcome on into the Betting Pros Podcast. I am joined today by the Superbook at the Westgate's own John Murray, and we are going to be talking about everyone's new favorite spring football league, the USFL. John, how are you doing today? I'm good. There's a lot going on, uh, a lot going on in the book today. A lot of baseball going on, some soccer that I'm getting ready to watch. But you, you wanted to talk about the USFL, so I'll, I'll do my best, man. That is right. I mean. These niche sports can really present an opportunity for gamblers to maybe find a little bit of an edge over you guys at the book that they wouldn't have in a hammered out market like the NFL or Major League Baseball or even something like Champions League Soccer. But talking about week one in this league, of course, for those that don't know, the USFL just got started last weekend. The league has eight teams. They're all playing this first season in Birmingham. And the opening game, it was a barn burner. The Birmingham Stallions took down the New Jersey Generals 28-24 in a game that actually came down to the wire. Stallions scored a walk-off TD to win it. Game went over. It's 41.5 point total, and the Stallions covered the 2.5 point spread. But the rest of the game's not quite highest scoring. Gamblers of Houston beat the Michigan Panthers 17-12. The New Orleans Breakers beat the Philadelphia beat, beat Philadelphia 23-17. And the Tampa Bay Bandits, they beat Pittsburgh 17 to three all of the other games after that first one went under their total a couple got close but every number was in that 42 43 41 and a half kind of range have you seen any action did anyone actually get interested in betting on the league very limited action for week one just to be expected you know nobody really knows anything yet uh, you can you can pour over the rosters as much as you want and, uh, we like to go by which coaches we remember being boneheads in their previous jobs uh, but until you actually see these teams play, there's not a whole lot to go by. Uh, you get some arbitrage betters that were betting the games, betting differences between our book and another book. Other than that, there really wasn't a whole lot. I think you're going to see more as we get into week two, week three, week four. Now people will start to have an opinion because they've watched these teams play a game or two. Uh, but for week one, it, it was it was pretty quiet. Now, that can be a double-edged sword, the fact that now people are going to have more of an opinion, but – at the same time, the book now has a little more a little more information to go off of. Sure. Do you think that there is still possibly an edge for betters here, especially because it is only one week sample size? This is this feels like a great equalizer to me. Like, oh, there, definitely, there's there's you've got a much better chance. Like, I, I think if you really dove into this league and studied this league, do I think you'd have a better chance of winning it at this than the NFL? Yeah, I do. Uh, the, the bookmakers don't have time to pour through every ounce of information about the USFL. There's too much going on right now. It's an extremely busy month in the sports calendar. There's so many different sports going on. The USFL is absolutely not not front of mind for us. So as a better, if you put it at the front of your mind, I do think you'd have uh, you could potentially have an edge. And, and that that is the big thing right there. The fact that a better can focus in on a specific sport and potentially get an edge and an advantage there because like you said the book has to put a number up on everything mm -hmm. whereas a better doesn't have to take a position on everything if they can maybe whittle down their expertise to a niche sport like the usfl like championship level second division soccer in europe something like that yeah a, a book over here not necessarily going to have the sharpest line on that right no and, and and the books would also tell you that's why the limits are lower on the, the usfl you're not i don't know what people are going to let you get down around the country right now, but the USFL limits are going to be microscopic compared to the NFL limits, the college football limits, because we don't have a great deal of confidence in the numbers that we're setting on something like this. We will by the end of the season, but it's very early right now. And we just, we're, we're kind of, we're kind of going in blind as well. 
we just don't know that much about it. I, I don't even know who some of these guys are. You know, before I, we started recording, you were naming quarterbacks. I'm like, who the hell's that guy? Uh, <laughs> they need some more star power if they want to get the public interested. I, I completely agree with you there. The two biggest names in this league, it feels like going in. The, literally, the only two I heard of were Paxton Lynch and Jeff Fisher. Not exactly. Well, that's not good. No. no Jeff Fisher's funny because he's he still coaches like it's like 1973, which is amusing for me. But I don't know how far that's going to take the USFL. And the best part about that is it didn't even go well in the USFL. He's already back to his losing ways in this new league. But there, there was a quarterback out there named Magoo. And I, I didn't know there was any actual human with that last name. And sure enough, one of the one of the lead, one of the teams is led by a guy going out there with Magoo on the back of his jersey. Yeah, there was a Magoo in the movie School Ties. You might be too young for that film. A tremendous movie that came out in the early '90s. Never heard of a Magoo football player. I, I don't know who these guys are. We I had the game on yesterday in the background. I believe it was Pittsburgh and Tampa Bay. The coach of Pittsburgh was very committed to establishing the run. I think that's why his team ended up scoring three points in that game. But uh, I, I wasn't too familiar with the players on either side. Uh, another thing that people aren't really familiar with, some of the rule changes in this new league, because, again, we haven't seen as much hype about it. We remember the XFL and the AAF, how they were really full bore about this is what makes us different from the NFL mm -hmm. There were still a couple cool things that I kind of liked that the NFL should take away. Number one being they kind of incorporated the tennis uh, judgment line system into making first down decisions. Believe me, that's something the NFL should immediately be looking oh, at. Yeah. We need that. Tennis has the best instant re replay of any league, any sport, I should say. Yeah. They, just, they just show the replay. It's, oh, yeah, the ball is in route. It's, it's not as – whereas, like, the NFL has the worst, right? You get a – 89-year-old guy running over to a three-inch monitor to review the call that he just made in the freezing cold weather. The NFL is the worst, uh, although soccer is rapidly catching them with their horrendous VAR system. But uh, NFL does a terrible job with that. Uh, so maybe they should borrow that from the USFL. I completely agree. Some of the other things that might actually influence the lines that we see on these games, you can actually attempt a three-point conversion from the 10. Mm -hmm. Which didn't the, feel, didn't the AAF do that? I thought the AAF had a similar system where you could go for extra points. Uh, I, think, I can't remember. I think they did. Of course, we know that it, that didn't help AAF totals, but it does change what the key numbers are. Of course, in football, sure. three, seven, those are key numbers that you look at and go, okay, well, this is what you're looking for when it crosses that number. And now, all of a sudden, with the potential of a three point conversion for you guys in the books, that does kind of change what you're supposed to make that what, what you're yeah. supposed to look at as key numbers, right? And we go through that in the NFL preseason where no one's going to play for a tie. So the three becomes a little bit less significant uh, stuff like that. We've dealt, we've dealt with before, um, but yeah, there's going to be a, there's going to be a level of or a process of catching up for us with this new league. It, it just, it's going to depend a little bit on how much people are betting on it. Like mm -hmm. how much time are we really going to devote to learning all this stuff? If the, if the handle remains very minimal, probably not much, you know, that first game was on Saturday. Look what else was going on on Saturday. We had yeah. NBA playoffs started. There was a big golden Knights game here. Uh, it was a road game for the Knights, but a, that's a big deal in Las Vegas. We had a full day of major league baseball. We had a UFC card and we had that Spence fight that we took a ton of handle on. There just wasn't that much time to think about the USFL. 
Uh, it just it's like not even a second or third tier sport right now. And one of the things that you talked about that I want to circle back on on this is arbitrage betters and how mm-hmm. they're going to look for a number at your book and then look and see if they can compare it to other books. Yeah. With, with a sport like this where we have a brand new league, different books are going to have different opinions and set different lines. There's more of an opportunity for this in these first couple of weeks, right? I, I think that there will be. Uh, it just depends on how big of a how big of a stance the different books want to take. Uh, the arbitrage betters are always going to be there. If they if they can take plus two and lay minus one, they're going to do it. They don't care what the sport is. They're probably not even watching the games. They just see those differences and they bet them. Uh, I, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how opinionated the books want to be on this league. That that will be interesting to follow here as we as we move forward. But but the one thing that works against the arbitrage betters in the USFL is the lower limits. Yes. You know, all, those guys that you always see crying about limits on Twitter or whatever other channels they're on, it's usually because they're not actually gambling at all. They're just they're just playing both sides and locking in a profit. So, of course, they want to bet as much as they can. Makes I mean, I don't blame them. I would, yeah. too, if that's how I was betting. But at the USFL, I don't think you're going to see those really super high limits. So I'm not sure how high or how much time the arbitrage bettors are going to invest in it. Because, like I said, there's a lot of there's a lot of other major sports going on right now. But at the same time, if someone who's maybe a little lower of a limit gambler, someone who's comfortable with a $10, $20, $50 bet that's going to be sure. well under those limits, if they really want to dive in and start looking at some of these players in this league, they're going to be able to maybe find that edge of saying, oh, well, the books the books are high on this team, but mm-hmm. they're not actually as good. You, you can find edge so. like that. We've seen in the past guys that specialize in maybe a specific college basketball conference, for example. And if you spent all of your time studying eight teams in this one small league, the bookmakers don't have that much time on their hands. Probably. I don't know how maybe some of these bigger companies, these huge teams, maybe they do have a USFL trading team. I doubt it, but it's possible. But I do think that you're right. If you were to spend all your time pouring through these box scores and really studying this league, you could definitely give yourself a leg up. Now, looking at some of the trends, obviously, we have one week of games, so you can't really establish many trends within this league, but we can look back at the ghost of spring leagues past, the AAF, the XFL that we've talked about, Mm -hmm. and if you remember the AAF, by the time they closed down, rest in peace, everyone and their mother was betting unders because we were getting games where neither team could could cross into double digits. Only one game in the last two weeks of that season went above 40 points. Do you think that we're going to start maybe seeing some of these teams now that there is some tape on them for defensive coordinators in the league to look at? Do you think that we're going to start seeing totals start to drift down as scoring drifts down? I mean, we'll see because normally these leagues, they, they have an emphasis on they want to make it high scoring. Uh, I, know, I know the AAF specifically, I actually went, and visited San Antonio and met with the AAF guys before that season, that league started. And they were telling us how they specifically were going to try to make the league high scoring. That didn't work. Uh, I know that the USFL probably is going to be attempting to do the same thing. Uh, I'd be careful just blindly betting everything under because for one thing, a lot of other people are going to be planning on doing that and the books are going to start to adjust. So you talk about games where the totals open like in the fifties, I think for week one, they're not going to open that high again. So be careful betting under. It's not the same thing when you're betting under 36 and a half or even potentially even lower. Uh, eventually the market's going to overcorrect. 
Exactly. And you talk about that, the massive swing we saw. There were games that opened in the 50s for this league and not a single game closed above 43 and a half points. So the market was very aggressive in adjusting. You guys moved those numbers because you need to. You yeah. when you have when you have a sport like this, you don't in the NFL, if you've got a total of 54, a guy bets you under, you can go to 53 and a half. And something like this, you you don't have a great deal of confidence in that total that you set. You're still learning yourself. So you need to be a little more aggressive in the way you move the lines. So you need to think outside the box a little bit. Do you think we're going to see more aggressive line movement in week two as well? Or it, it's a process, right? Over time, that'll start to cool. Well, as we – eventually there will be some sharp opinions in this market that are established. And when those people start making their bets – then you're going to see aggressive moves. I remember we had a guy in the AAF that was seemed to always be on the right side, and we started moving very aggressively off his bets. And in the past, arena football, we had guys that were betting arena football totals with great success, and we would move very aggressively off their place. So once we start to see some real sharp players enter this market, you'll see the numbers move pretty quickly. I'm not talking about the arbitrage players. They're, they don't have any opinion. They're just playing differences. Yeah. I'm talking about an actual sharp originator. When those guys emerge, we'll, we'll, we'll move pretty fast. Now, you, you talked about how the league lacks some of the more quality players that even the XFL had. Remember Cardell Jones was playing that in that league? Heck, Johnny Manziel threw a touchdown pass to Terrell Owens in the fan-controlled football league this weekend. The USFL, not quite on that. Like we said, Paxton Lynch and Jeff Fisher. But I feel like... When you talk about the AAF and how they said, we want to create scoring, we want these games to be high scoring and exciting, mm -hmm. the thing that they ran into the most was bad quarterback play. Yeah. I feel like we're running into the same thing here. However, what we saw from week one, I think the biggest two takeaways were, number one, the amount of scoop and score touchdowns after quarterbacks fumbled in the pocket were ridiculously high. I feel like there was at least one per game, and kickers were atrocious, just like in the NFL. Do you think that some of the bad quarterback play can actually be ba balanced out by the fact that offenses are giving the ball to the other team rather than simply not well, being able to score and punting it away? Turnovers will help the over for sure. I mean, giving the offenses short fields. But I mean, one thing we do know is there's not 32 men in this world that can play quarterback at a high level. Uh, the NFL, we, we know not every team in the NFL has a high level quarterback. So you talk about having a second football league. Where are you going to find someone to be the quarterback of these teams? Uh, the NFL can't even fill their their starting and backup positions. So uh, bad quarterback play, I think, is going to continue to be a staple of the USFL. But, yes, of course, short fields or defensive touchdowns can certainly help the over. There's no doubt about that. John, my last question for you here. What do you think are some of the biggest challenges for you guys in the book to set these numbers for a league that – you know nothing about how is it that you even go about looking at the league what do you compare it to to start making those predictions and set those numbers like you had to for week one we looked at the qbs we looked at the coaches you know you always want to look at the coaches that you remember making terrible decisions in the past uh, and then eventually we have a, we have a set of power ratings that we're going by I mean, the biggest difference is you need to be pretty fluid and aggressive with adjusting those power ratings you know, if you, you, you might make some pretty big adjustments from one week to the next, which you wouldn't really do in the NFL unless a quarterback got hurt. Mm -hmm. That makes perfect sense to me. John, thank you so much for joining us here today. Where can people find you on the Twitter screen? 
find me. Uh, I don't know. I don't know that why anybody would want to follow me. I am at Vegas Murray. Uh, follow at Superbook Sports. There we at go. At Superbook Sports. Um, we're open in Colorado, Arizona, New Jersey, of course, Nevada. We're going live in Tennessee like this week. And we're going to be live in some other states uh, later this year. So hope to be in eight or nine states by the time the NFL starts this fall. Congratulations. That is awesome. And of course, if you guys are here in Vegas, head on down to the Westgate. The Superbook is nothing short of the greatest place to watch sports. Even if there's nothing on at the moment, seriously, you got to take a walk down there and just look at that place because it really is a marvel. John, thank you so much. Guys, thank you so much for checking us out today. Don't forget, of course, hit that like button below. It has been a pleasure being here with you and we'll see you next time.